Hey listeners, it's Paul Andriola here. Why not join our community at Small Cap Discoveries where we offer our members direct access to some of the best microcap investment opportunities available. Our members are getting access to premium microcap financings, research reports, and direct access to management. Sign up today at www.smallcapdiscoveries.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Small Cap Discoveries conference call. Today on our call, we have CEO Joseph Nakala from Tribe Property Technologies. Tribe trades on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol TRBE and on the OTC under TRPTF. The company is currently trading at $3.60 with roughly 21 million shares outstanding or about a $76 million market cap. I'd now like to hand it over to Paul Andriola. Thank you so much, Trevor. Um, good to have Joseph back. I mean, we, Joseph, we spoke before, not in front of our audience, but uh, we had a chat uh, several months ago. Um, so happy to have you back here. Um, Joseph runs a company called Tribe Property Technologies. Uh, Tribe is a property technology company that is digitizing the traditional property management industry. So he's here to tell us all about it. Um, Joseph, thanks for joining us. And I'm just going to hand it over to you and let you go. Thank you so much, uh, Trevor and Paul. Pleasure being with you again, and it's nice to uh, to see everyone on uh, on the channel and uh, share with you our story as a company. A little bit about myself, very quickly. Uh, civil and structural uh, engineer by trade, uh, somebody that has passion for city living. Uh, I cut my teeth in technology uh, in the late '90s with a company called TO Networks uh, that was trading on the TSX Venture, and uh, we had a Wonderful exit as we grew the company. It was an overnight 17-year success. And uh, we uh, we had a great exit with PayPal. And my next passion was to tackle uh, a, perhaps a problem that a lot of people can relate to, this uh, concept of people living in cities, living in buildings. I felt that technology can play an interesting socioeconomic role in how we connect in these communities. And that was uh, the birth of our uh, tech-backed services company, tribe. Uh, I have a deck with that I'll be sharing with you and uh, happy to take any questions uh, right through the process. I'll uh, leave it up to Paul and Trevor to quarterback that, uh, but don't worry too much about my flow. We are uh, almost uh, one year uh, on the dot uh, trading in the TSX Venture. Uh, we are a company that really focuses on delivering tech back services for two big sectors of residential living. The first one being the condo space, uh, strata if you're in Western Canada, uh, condos in Eastern Canada. Uh, in the US, it's called homeowner association. It's that concept of people owning a uh, home, but it is a part of a larger community with quite a bit of interests. And uh, on the other big sector that we service is what we call institutional rental, this concept of uh, big apartment buildings that are actually built or managed and or owned by big landlords, uh, REITs, uh, um, uh, and alike uh, family offices. And they're looking for uh, companies to come in and actually do the full digital and operational management of these communities. Uh, in this case, we've uh, grown quite a bit. Uh, 2018 was our foyer into the space. We had zero under management. Fast forward, uh, after a number of acquisitions and organic growth, we uh, made eight acquisitions to date, and we are considered to be the sixth largest condo management company in Canada and the sixth largest rental management company in Canada. Again, everything we do is with our technology with more than 70%, 100% of the communities 
are digitized and about 70% home penetration in, with, with, with the actual homeowners. Year over year, we've, uh, we're pleased to, to announce that we, uh, as of three quarters of last year, we have not announced our fourth quarter yet, that we are at 250% quarterly uh, uh, year over year growth with about 340% improvement of gross margin and a very, very, very low customer acquisition retention, which I'll get into in a second here. And we are a national company within the boundaries of Canada. A little bit of history about us, I shared that with you, but uh, really the biggest milestones that we've done so far uh, in our short history is we've acquired some companies, you'll see 1964 there. So we've actually acquired some companies that have been around since 1964. So that's our way of saying we've got quite a bit of expertise within our executive management of the space. Um, we lit up our first building under, under the Tribe Management brand in 2017. 2018 was really our coming out party 2020 we acquired the company called gateway which is the national player in the canadian uh in the canadian realm and uh went public in 2021 and uh, just most recently i think right around the time uh paul and trevor connected last time we were maybe just about to close on a, a private placement oversubscribed uh, thankfully uh for 21 million dollars uh, was led by Round 13 Growth Fund and a couple of big uh, funds out of the Canadian uh, landscape that uh, were either already uh, shareholders of ours or new shareholders that came on board. And we set out to to um, to raise 15 million uh, at that time. We solve a very specific problem associated with uh, with the way people live in these communities. Uh, if you've ever lived in a condo, your probably number one complaint would be lack of communication between you and the condo corporation or the property management group. It's very, very paper-based. Uh, there's lack of transparency. Uh, it used to be okay when condos used to be forty, fifty thousand dollars It's becoming more and more of a problem when you consider, uh, you know, you can't even enter into the downtown core of Toronto or Vancouver for less than $1,000, $1,500 a square foot. These assets now are incredibly expensive and they really need to be managed properly. And the old school way of doing it, which is paper-based and kind of knowledge sitting in your inbox uh, uh, is no longer sufficient. There's got to be a much more sophisticated path to, to, to support these, these communities. And that's really what Tribe brings to the game uh, here. Um, the other big, big problem is lack of consistency in the service delivery as well. So, uh, you know, a good property manager could exist in a company, but the one next to him is not very good because there's no service delivery standards uh, in the industry. And it's all um, uh, kind of uh, top with a big problem that nobody talks about, which is for property managers, actually they need to be licensed and that licensing requirement is becoming more and more uh, uh, rigorous and difficult to achieve. And uh, there's actually a shortage of the people to render that service. So companies like us that have the ability to convert the ratio, meaning we can manage more communities and more buildings with our technology with less number of property managers or licensed property managers really gives us a massive advantage. How do we do it? Uh, we digitize everything about the building, everything about the home, especially in brand new communities where we work directly with the developers. Think of your home being completely digitized. All your uh, serial numbers are in, all your warranties are in, uh, all your uh, floor plans, everything associated with the home is digitized. Along with the building, we digitize the full building as well with all its amenities, all its bylaws, laws, rules, permits, any workflow associated with you living in that community is completely available to you at your fingertips. We also have a really cool marketplace whereby we, with the data we have about every home, we actually marry the potential needs, home needs of the, of the residents, of the tenants, of the homeowners, 
uh, or even the strata councils with service providers that can actually deliver great services that are actually leveraging the group buying power. We service almost 100,000 um, uh, Canadians now uh, living in about 40 plus thousand homes of our communities. And, uh, and that relevancy of that is to kind of orient you a little bit. So we're, like I mentioned earlier, we're the sixth largest on the condo side. Um, and, and But what's interesting is we're actually the third largest or the third only company that's national. Uh, the other companies are a company called First Service, public company, multi-billion dollar US company, and a company called Associa, again, a US company, private equity backed, and then us, the third company in that market. Uh, we do have digital services right across. So if you live in our community and you wanna book your amenities, you wanna make a payment, you wanna uh, look at your financials or the financials of the building, it's all available to you again from your, from your app. And we still do the full property management work. And I want to make sure for those of you that are not familiar that you understand property management isn't the function of sweeping, cleaning, um, doing the actual work that you see in the building that is contracted through our platform. Property manager is actually a licensed group or entity uh, or a person in our case that actually helps the strata councils navigate through the challenges they've got. In the case of a rental building, property managers are responsible for uh, leasing up the property. So, you know, finding tenants to, to, to move into the property and also with the, with the uh, uh, predictable and in some cases non-predictable events of, of maintaining the building. We make money three different ways. Um, the first way is uh, the first method is software and service recurring business. So we actually license our technology into the community among with our services. We don't nickel and dime. It's all one uh, flat rate for the community. Uh, and that's about 70 plus percent of our revenue uh, is, is that particular sticky uh, business. Uh, the second way we make money is transactional revenue. Once the community or the or the, the home and the community are digitized, for the homeowners to interface with the community, uh, there's many things that they need to book things, to make payment using credit card, uh, pay the rent, uh, receive historical documentation. All that stuff is done on, on, on our application. And uh, for that, there's fees and that we call that transactional fees. That represents somewhere in the neighborhood of about 20 to 23, 24% of, of our revenue. It's very sticky as well but we treat it as a, uh, a transactional revenue versus the steady licensing fees uh, that we get from, uh, from our software and service. And then the third uh, small but growing uh, and exciting um, uh, part of our business is the ability for us to help you as a homeowner to purchase products and services, insurance products, financial services through the platform. And we actually make a, a transaction on that. And we disclose it. We, we really like to be over transparent with the way we communicate and, and manage these communities. Uh, but you can imagine there's all kinds of Internet of Things products and services that, that are needed in the community. Uh, there's products for you know, like home um, uh, home monitoring or, or, or water detection systems for your own home, insurance products. There's a long, long list of products and services that we were working on bringing into these communities that we can monetize. And, and really the key thing is to bring products and services that are actually operating at a cheaper, uh, allow, uh, making it available for our homeowners at a cheaper price than they can get in the market. That includes something like Dallas Triple Play, for example. Like I said, uh, 2017, we went, uh, we piloted the products. Uh, 2018, we went to the full market. Since then, we have about $11.5 billion of assets under our management. Uh, we collect in the neighborhood of about $400 million that go through our pipelines between rent and, and, uh, and, uh, 
uh, maintenance fees. Uh, we don't recognize that as revenue. We only recognize the revenue on the services, as I mentioned earlier. Um, and we have about 350 million uh, community data points. Uh, we, we know who lives in the unit. We have a payment relationship with them. We know how often they um, renew products and services. We, we know if they have pets, uh, if they have children. All that data that we have are relevant because it allows us to actually uh, curate some really interesting products and services in front of them. The market is massive. I don't think this will be a surprise to anybody on the call, but more and more of, of, uh, of the West is moving towards these types of communities. People are, are either empty nesters or, or no longer can afford the single family home. And you'll see a lot more of those land assemblies where, where developers are purchasing the single family homes and actually converting them into, into multifamily units. Um, some are big towers, uh, and I and I do want to make the point that I don't want you necessarily to walk away thinking we're we're for the high end communities. We do manage some really high end communities, but we've got stuff that's that still needs the same level of services that we've got that are much lower square foot entry points. So really, this is not exclusive to the higher end downtown core types of buildings. If you look at a profile of our communities right across, and we've got we're needing a thousand of them now, um, you'll see them in every shape and form in every socioeconomic model. And the point really to take away there is that this is a, a service that's really required. And we can now with confidence say it's recession proof and pandemic proof, uh, especially when you consider the, the growth we experienced over the pandemic. The rental market is also massive. A good way to think about it from a Canadian lens is there's about 200,000 condos being added every year to the Canadian market, about 75 to 100,000 uh, apartments are being added to the market. What's really interesting is that two, out of this 200,000 uh, homes being added in the condo space, 30% of them are going to be rented out. So they're going to be bought by investors to be rented out, which is also a division we have and a suite of software products we have to support uh, that particular market segmentation as well. This is our geography footprint. The takeaway from the slide is to let you know that the particular markets that we want to be in isn't necessarily in every province and in every state. We really need to be in dense markets. Um, you can argue, you know, 10 to 15 uh, markets in, 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 in uh, uh, well, I know that it's about 12 to 13 markets in North America represent about 75% of the addressable market that we're seeking. So uh, in Canada alone, by being in the markets we're in, we're pretty much in more than 85% of the addressable market of Canadian soil. So this is a density play for us. Um, what's unique about us is a holistic approach. We, we have actually a suite of products for developers. This is real estate developers. And we have obviously platforms for our community uh, uh, that we manage, whether they're rental or not. And then we have, we have full management services that sit on top of that with a suite of products for, land, for landlords, whether independent landlords or big REITs. So it's the most comprehensive, uh, I would absolutely argue that it's the, the only one-stop shop for both institutional rental and condo uh, communities in North America. It's complicated because the number of stakeholders that we service. This is just a snapshot of, uh, of what is probably an obvious uh, stakeholder groups that have to coexist and have harmony between them in any of these communities that are erected. So most people think of a condo, you know, you go in, you go out. It's not that, it's not that simple. Uh, there's different groups within, within each one of those. Uh, and, and the definition of success for each one of those um, stakeholders actually is different. 
this is a, a good timeline overlayer, overlayered with the digital and uh, services that we offer uh, for our communities. And what's interesting, you'll see that we, we actually exist and start delivering services as far out as two to three years before the community is even built. Um, I'm live in a place called Port Moody here in, in British Columbia. And I, from where I am, I can, I can see some of the developments that are actually coming up that we will be uh, uh, managing. But I already know that we've already set the budgets for them. They currently use our software in their sales centers. And it's actually starting to, as they get erected up and, 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 uh, and come close to completion, uh, we see a lot more usability of our software to get the building ready. And once the developer completes it, hands it over to the homeowners, a new wave of services and tools on the platform start showing up. Our focus when we wake up in the morning is twofold. One, expanding our footprint. We expand our footprint through, um, through organic growth. So this would be traditional buildings in the condo space or the rental space that are being managed by somebody else. And then they come to us or we work directly with the developer building brand new communities and take all of our digital services on top of that. Or um, something that we've been actually getting really good at, which is actually buying traditional property management companies and converting them to our service delivery model. And we've, we've made seven property management acquisitions to date and one tech acquisition to tuck into uh, the services that we offer. All of that is the way we increase our footprint. So we don't just organically grow, although that's that's going really well, but we also grow via M&A. And we don't just buy these companies, we actually convert into our service delivery model. Once we've done all that, the second big focus of ours is to not only manage these communities properly, but also introduce revenue streams or revenue opportunities for us uh, by way of lowering the overhead and management ex expenses of the community and uh, delivering some really great services for the homeowners themselves. And you'll see some examples of that. But we don't just grow by m and organic, uh, our, 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 our what I call traditional SaaS journey or client journey is very strong. I'm happy this I didn't share with anybody before. I'm happy to share with you guys now that our 2021 numbers are there so we can compare them. You'll see in 21, we had 503 leads. These leads came, uh, which lead would be a full building coming our way. And you'll see we uh, that was a massive increase from 2020. And uh, one percentage still runs at about 30%. We are never the cheapest. Uh, we don't. We don't. We don't. It's not. A, it's not a, a price game for us. Um, uh, if anything, we we tend to be the most expensive all the time. However, we're holistic in terms of we give you all the services that I spoke to. We don't just nickel and dime on these services. Cost per lead is is coming incredibly lower. That's probably mainly driven by reputational expertise, and you'll see our lifetime community value is really high simply because. We just don't churn. The industry churns at about 10 to 15%. We churn at less than three and a half percent. So my definition of churn is, is the proper definition of churn. It's how many homes that we manage starting from the early in the year and how many of them are left in our docket. We're still growing by 250 to 300%. I'm just talking specifically what we started with from the year to the end of the year. Our m and playbook, in a nutshell, we, we, we rebrand the company, we put our IT infrastructure in it, we optimize the service delivery, improve the gross, the, 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 the profit margins in the bill in it. And we actually take it frankly from playing defense. Most of these businesses are kind of flat lined and we go on the offense in that market by going out and actually starting to acquire more business. Some examples of, of acquisitions we've made, as I mentioned earlier, these are seven property management uh, acquisitions that we've done. 
And we have that engine of the more communities we have, the more desirable we are for people to sell products and services. Um, if you look at my daily schedule, I'm getting more and more conversations with people that want to sell more interesting products and services to our communities or want to digitally partner with us to deliver some really unique services for these. And if you look at our long list of press releases we've done in the last 12 months, you'll see some of them, more and more of them are, are with regards to services being rendered for the communities that we manage. Everything we tend to put out will be revenue generating for us and lowering expense for that particular product for the building. Nuts and bolts, microeconomics uh, per home. Uh, this on the left-hand side is what traditionally the industry does. So a traditional property management company will generate $20 MRR or monthly recurring revenue with about $2 operational transactions, 30 to 35% gross margin, and 10 to 15% churn. It'll, it'll tend to be flatlined in revenue simply because Unfortunately, it's a C minus business. So 10 to 15% churn that leave this company and 10, 15% leave another companies that come to you. So kind of the, the revenue line tends to be flat, but if you actually look at the method of churn I shared with you earlier, you'll see it's about 10 to 15%. Uh, what you'll see on the right-hand side is the result of three quarters of hours last year. So this is real live data. Uh, $26 per home is what we, what we generate in MRR versus 20. Plus, we, we uh, add another $6, what we call operational transactions. It's compared to $2 there. We are running at 50% gross margin. Uh, this is holistically for the business inclusive of all of our technology expenses. Um, and 4% turns 3.5, but rounding it up to 4%. And then on the that little table there is intended to show you 26 and 6 is a traditional revenue for us. This is our, our services um, and technology or, or, or software SaaS revenue, but you can see on top of that, the opportunity for us to add more and more services. These are running at 100% gross margin practically, because you know when you when you do get a product purchase on the platform from there, it just hits our, our, our bottom line. And this is, it's still very young. We've only announced that about a quarter ago, uh, I guess two quarters ago now, and we're in the second quarter, but uh, it is going really, really well. And it is going to be continuously going really well because of this pie chart. This pie chart speaks to generally uh, an average household income that lives in a condo uh, or lives, lives in an MDU, even a rental community. This is where they tend to be spending their money relating to their home. And all these different, I mean, there's obviously other things they spent money on. This is not included here. But these things that are related to their home are areas we can really influence. And we have relationships and or creating relationships with service providers in those, in those areas of the market. Good example of that would be these two, again, data-driven slides. You'll see we took Apollo. It's a digital insurance, condo insurance service provider. We launched with them in July 21. 15% of the people that actually use our platform to get uh, a quote from the underwriters that Apollo are delivering, purchase the insurance policy. And every time they re-up, we also, we also get compensated. Telus launched with us, and we launched that in 21 and put it in brand new communities prior to people moving in. And we said to them, look, hey, congratulations, you're moving into your new home, you've downloaded your Triab Home app, and we kind of orienting them about everything that's available to them. And we said to them, did you know, we negotiated a triple play offer for you with Telus, and in the buildings, we lit this up into 20% of people took 
on the product and we make a commission per product as well. And again, we just close all these dark customers. So envision now how this can be a path for us is you're gonna see some, some, some quite a bit of movement in 22 in this area. Some examples, not to impress you, just to impress upon you, give you some visuals of what condo communities that we manage look like and some of the developers that we work with. And here's some examples of rental communities that we manage uh, all across the country as well. So I mentioned growth. This is uh, fiscal year 2018. We did about $2 million, about almost 3 million, 4.2. And we've signaled to the street, we're gonna do between 15 and 16 million of the year that just finished. We haven't announced our Q4, but we're very much on track based on our three quarters that we've shared with the street. Perhaps more importantly is this slide on the top right-hand side or the chart where you can see that not only are we growing our revenue, but more importantly, this is our monthly recurring revenue per customer. We'll call it per community, but per customer. And you see that while we're really, really growing in top line revenue and growing in the number of customers that we have, we're also sustaining our ability to drive more revenue per customer. And that's really the, the, the most interesting thing about our business, if I can say that, is the ability to be more relevant to the communities they're in and, and continue to practic practically have endless revenue streams from these communities. Just go deep in that particular relationship. Very, very high level, very tightly held uh, company. Uh, basic share outstanding is, is 21 million. Shares uh, fully diluted, 28 million. Um, quarter of the company is in the hands of the founders, directors, managers, uh, and about 40% industry strategic investors. These are some of the big names. Uh, you can probably dig them out. Uh, the who's who in real estate really in Canada is, is behind this company, all long holds. And then uh, you'll have seen some of the uh, announcements with some of the big names that we brought in, including uh, including uh, round 13 that came in into this last round, uh, uh, took half the round. We did 21 million, they took 10 million themselves. Um, um, and that's institutional, heavy institution. And I'll be honest and tell you, we don't trade often simply because we are thinly traded due to the fact that it's tightly, tightly held. We are doing things about it this year and we're gonna get the word out and starts with speaking to great folks like, like Paul and Trevor here and you, you guys to get on your radar. Um, but that's uh, that's the, the reality of where our company is right now. Great, great, great group of executives that come from different walks in life. A lot of scalability, uh, businesses that have been grown and sold, and a lot of industry expertise as well. And a very impressive uh, group of, of executives on the uh, on the uh, uh, board. Uh, three of them are independent, which is something we're very, very proud of, and, and including our chairman. And it's an area because of the uh, future of this organization, certainly to, to qualify out of the TSX and move into uh, the Toronto Stock Exchange and obviously NASDAQ eventually. And independence for this organization and high, high level of governance is, uh, is very important, especially, uh, especially for the big funds that are more interested in us as we move from the micro cap region to north of that. So to summarize, we're disrupting a very outdated yet fastly growing industry, multiple revenue streams in our business. We have very strong market penetration in the last three years and we continue to grow. And we're also solving a problem that's very, very evident and, and in reality existing in the world of the US as well. Uh, very aggressive m &A and a real playbook uh, with a true m &A team that's actually uh, essentially digesting these organizations that we're buying. Very strong cash balance, um, uh, 
20 plus million dollars, practically no debt other than uh, vendor buyback, uh, quote unquote, loans on our books that are intended to be hand in hand over the next three years with uh, with specific milestones for the for the groups that we've purchased companies from. And uh, just a lot of catalyst on the docket. So I spoke very fast. I hope uh, we, we satisfied the time uh, restrictions and uh, maybe I'll stop sharing. You did, you did perfectly. As a matter of fact, you did so well that you make my job easy because I've got very few questions to ask you, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask what I can to, to, to feel relevant in this uh, sure. discussion. <laughs> um, uh, Joseph, um, I mean, you, you talked a bit about sort of how big this is. Uh, or as far as the, the industry, but I, I really want to get a better understanding and, and I'm sure listeners would as well. How big could you guys get? I mean, clearly the, sort of the condo and rental market in Canada is, is massive, but give us more tangible numbers. How, how big could you guys get in this uh, scenario? So we, we mentioned earlier, we have an M&A corporate development team and an M&A integration team. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the key things I want listeners to understand uh, as it pertains to our M&A activities is we don't just buy companies uh, to, to play an arbitrage game and let them be and we just kind of recognize all the revenue. We actually buy them to really convert them from a service delivery model to, to start realizing not only improvement on efficiencies, but also, as you saw that chart that in, illustrates that we can continue to generate more more revenue per home that we're actually acquiring, which I think is a, is a really key part of our business. So for that to occur, we have to be on top of our game from an M&A integration point of view. And we've spent 21 putting together that team and preparing that team and, and, and fixing some of the areas that we thought that had some gaps. So we were well positioned to really act, activate, to orient everybody from an M&A point of view. There's more than, in, 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 the, in, the, in the size that we like, in Canada and the US, there's more than 1,500 independent property management companies. Um, the space on the condo alone uh, the, the, the market in the condo alone is about $130 billion annually being spent on maintaining condos, HOAs, or stratas. They're all interchangeable definitions. Mm-hmm. So you do the math on that, and you can see there's a significant amount of those M&A activities for us. Um, we haven't signaled the street on what we expect to do this year, this calendar year. We're, we're doing that shortly. Um, but I will tell you, within our M&A pipeline, we've got a path to 40 to $50 million of annual recurring business that can be that can be tucked in and this is before we even cast the net further down south mm-hmm. that's fantastic um and then <laughs> as far as like your, your m&a pipeline right now i mean are you guys looking at a, a lot of deals you're looking at a few deals um and then how long do you typically take to from, from finding something to closing on a deal yeah, great question. We we I believe in our MA pipeline now we're in the 25 to 28 deal type of, of, of area, uh, different stages, different sizes, and arguably different geography and sectors as well. Like some are active in institutional rental, some are active in the condo side. Um, uh, it, typically, uh, I'll share with you some numbers based on averages. However, these these vary based on on size, but. Typically, we from the moment we sign an NDA to the moment that we conclude our our well M and A uh, early due diligence and then and then um, uh, offer and then LOI and then closing that period tends to be as as early as ninety days as 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 long as one hundred and eighty days. It depends on obviously the size of the deal. Um, compliance is something that we're really good at, so we've got the engine to to, to get through that. 
Um, and and uh, so that, that would be kind of the, the high level. We've done things a lot quicker than that and anticipate to do that. I, and the integration, once the closing occurs and that business now is, is a part of our umbrella and integrating it, we've integrated as early as six weeks and as long as uh, 180 days. And then um, generally, do you prefer to buy these out with all cash or do you want to see some of the management team or somebody still have a vested interest in, in the company? Um, I mean, you're a public company, you've got your shares as currency. Is that something that, uh, that these sellers like to, to own? Yeah, it's a fine balance um, mm-hmm. because um, the quick answer is I really do not like dilution. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I'm sure everybody here would appreciate a CEO saying that, but I generally don't, especially when I feel like our company has arguably a much higher, uh, uh, you know, or undervalued. And again, mm-hmm. there's not a whole lot of CEOs you talk to every day that are that, that probably don't agree with their own thesis that they're undervalued. But in, in our case, it's at least fundamentally, we believe that that supported. However, uh, to your point, um, there is value in our currency, absolutely. And, and, and especially with acquisitions with people that really have hit a bit of a ceiling in their ability to grow the business, but they still have a little bit of horsepower to give back to the industry and actually want to see that grow. So we'd like to give them an opportunity to see that upside with us. And um, so traditionally we'll approach it with one third cash, one third stock and one third uh, vendor buy a bag based on uh, a suite of performances. We're flexible and we can move around as we need to. Um, it's also good and important for, for your listeners to know that our business is very, very uh, serviceable. We have a lot of debt that's available to us. We haven't leveraged that much right now, but that's becoming more and more evident that that's an area that I'd like to actually explore. Um, purely based on senior debt, it's not venture debt. And a lot of the businesses we're buying and generating cash. So we're a really good place to be able to use that as a leverage as well. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to remind everybody that's listening, uh, as always, if you've got any questions you'd like me to ask Joseph, please use the chat function and uh, I'll do my best to ask the question. Um, okay, so you raised a whole bunch of money just recently, like you said. Um, I mean, use of proceeds, I'm assuming, is going to go, you know, majority anyway towards acquisitions, but are there other uses of that, uh, that cash? No, you, you, you're correct. Acquisitions is, a, is, is, uh, is obviously a big driver for us. Um, the other big area is, is product development, but specifically in the two-way marketplace. So, mm-hmm. so we're all familiar with, um, uh, you know, your traditional Angie's List or, or, or Amazon Home or any of these products. Um, they're great. They're really, really, really great for single family, but there's very little in the market. Actually, there's none in the market that are designed specifically for condo, cor- for condo corporations or buildings or people that live in these communities. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. think there's a big, big play due to the data that we have to really curate even more services and put that in front of customers transactionally uh, and, uh, and, and, and really simplify the living of these, of these homes a lot easier. So, so that's, that's, these are probably the two big areas. I would also say that um, you know, we've got to continue to invest in attracting young graduates into mm-hmm. the space. The industry's really ignored that. And mm-hmm. that's not to say that's gonna be a massive source of capital allocation, but it's certainly an area that you're gonna see us make moves in. This concept of, of uh, bringing sexy back to property management. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I say that, uh, you know, as, as a joke, but, but, you know, it's quite funny. I, I talked to a lot of entrepreneurs that have built great property management companies and they want to sell them. And I go, oh, I'm always curious. Well, how come, you know, the kids 
aren't stepping in and, and taking over the business and they often say oh they think it's dreadful it's paper based it's not mm. a cool job and until i start talking to you guys i wasn't even a cool dad or a cool mom and it's funny because you actually look at the profile of the of of, of the of the staff that were attracted to the company where where i think our, our organization alone is lowering the age average of the organization and, and trying to bring in some really interesting um and open the eyes to younger professionals that this can be an amazingly fun job great mm -hmm. flexibility you can work remotely if you have our technology and it's incredibly satisfying so that's going to be an area you're going to see us be more active on both in and the press and 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 and, and industry specifically. Mm -hmm. And Joseph, um, so we understand when you when you acquire a company, you sort of bring in all your services, you sort of sort of upgrade the the systems of these companies. But how about you know outside of that, like the you're sort of out in the trenches, uh, fighting it out for for business. Um, you know, sort of organic growth. Do you like how do you get that business? What kind of sales process? Um, is it RFP based? Is it do you, you know? Do you know? Do you know when a contract's going to expire? Give us give us a little bit of color there. Yeah, I'll I'll give you the seg the segmentations of where we play because the sales process, the enterprise sales process, is a little bit different. I'll mm -hmm. start with with arguably the most complicated one, which is the condo corporation. There is no list. I cannot go and and buy a list of the presidents of the condo corporations mm -hmm. in Canada or in the U.S. That doesn't exist. But, you know, I shared with you earlier a slide that spoke about our ability to really get quite a bit of leads. How did that happen? Well, we do that by creating some really good, hopefully very relevant uh, content, digital content, and put that out to be consumed by people that are living and breathing, especially on the condo corporation, living and breathing these problems. So, so they kind of read about it, they understand it, they understand how technology can solve a problem. And believe it or not, it isn't always saying, oh, you got to come and use our technology or you, you got to come to us. It actually, sometimes it's written in a way to give the temperament and expectation properly because there are companies that actually are buildings that are being managed by good property management companies and people don't know that. They should know mm -hmm. that and they shouldn't leave and come to us. They should stay where they are. There's so much more business for everybody to achieve the, the goal that if they if they got a model that's working for them that's great so once they come in we have a, a nurturing uh a dynamic whereby they keep getting more content and when they're ready they it, it does go into what looks like an rfp proposal uh, rfp pro process and we tend to win 30 percent of that and and the number one reason we don't win is price because we are you know convinced that the value they're receiving they should be paid for and uh so that would be that that particular most complicated path. Brand new construction, we've got the most comprehensive suite of software products that really lower expenses, significant expenses for the developers, real estate developers. So we tend to win a lot of that business and I'm happy to say we don't talk much about it, but we've contracted significantly more than what we've actually spoken about today. We have a lot of deals that are contracted for the future. It's just the buildings are not up and running yet. So the recurring revenue hasn't kicked in yet, um, which is a great line of business for us. But that tends to be an enterprise sales business um, mm -hmm. that's, that's aided by the fact that we have the most comprehensive solution with all the integrations in it. And then on the rental side, uh, on whether it's a REIT or a big family office, as they go out there and build a brand new community or buy an asset from another REIT, um, there's only three 
big national players. So the phone rings and say, listen, confidentially, we're about to buy three towers in, in downtown Calgary. We want you guys to come in and, and, and manage that for us based on the services that, and the technology that we've, we've spoken about. And uh, that model continues to grow for us significantly. And then finally, there's this little kind of independent rogue nobody understands model that actually is a massive under underserved part of the country which is one third of our condos in canada are being rented out by investors and that kind of no man's land space we're really well equipped to service because if we are in that community already and you have our services we just let you know that we can also if you ever wanted to move out and rent this unit out we will actually have the technology and the service to to do that for you hmm. Now, I'm going to go back to M&A just one last time. Um, what we didn't talk about is, is typically when you buy these companies, what kind of valuations are you buying them at? Uh, you know, what, what kind of metrics? We've, we've, we've bought as, as low as uh, 0.6, 0.8 times revenue as much as, you know, if the company is really, really profitable, as much as 1.2, 1.3 times revenue. Um, again, the characteristics of most of the businesses we're buying is, is what I shared with you guys before, 30 to 35% gross margin, probably not growing and flatlined and, um, and uh, probably high churn, 10 to 15% churn. Um, so, uh, if somebody's probably curious, why aren't you buying on EBITDA multiples? It's just simply because a lot of these companies are kind of managed in a way, um, the financials in a way that's difficult to nail the, the real EBITDA. There's, there's quite a bit of interchange, exchangeable things between the, the, the owner of the company and their home and mortgage and, you know, cars and all that stuff. So, so we tend to just be, you know, for, uh, from a, uh, guiding point of view we just kind of use that line before we normalize that EBITDA number and then um, Joseph what you sort of talked a little bit about you know trying to find more young people to enter the industry but uh, what 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 are the bigger challenges you're facing running running this business well it's um, you know I, I will point well taken on your side you're bang on I mean you know Bring, bringing the right qualified people in the industry is critical. And, and, and that's not necessarily to say, oh, our business is all people-based. It's, mm -hmm. it's not the reason. The truth mm -hmm. of the matter is any condo corporation in Canada and the U.S. does need to be managed by a property manager. And that will not go away. Mm -hmm. If anything, more regulation and more license requirements is coming as more and more, as you know, as a lot of us probably will have, uh, will remember this tower that fell in, in, uh, in Florida and oh, killed yeah. a lot of mm -hmm. people. That's a function of, really lax regulation, very lax and, and, and muddy uh, rules and responsibilities around the property manager and the condo corporation itself. That's changing as we speak. That's, there's going to be a lot more regulation there. So that's, I would say that's one area uh, of, of, of concern is, 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 you know, more and more of us are moving into these communities. This more and more of these communities are being erected. Yeah, there's less service and, and more regulation coming in. So that's a, I see it as an opportunity, but I do live the challenge daily. So I will tell you that's that's an area that that, that needs to be uh, seen. And then the other more interesting uh, uh, challenge there is really what does a low carbon footprint community look like? I think it's you know obviously globally right now that's a big topic. Certainly not today or yesterday, but but that's an area that I think is completely underserved. We understand there's regulations around lead and how do you build a really cool building that's operating properly. I hate to say this and I'm actually saddened to say this, a lot of these lead buildings, where if you go back five years later, seven years later, their efficiency is nowhere close to what was mm -hmm. proposed. And that's not a function of people not being aware or intelligent or, or, or ethical. It's just a function of 
the the vision that was put together when the community was was built and the operation property management facility management uh and the tools and the and the electronics electronic back office systems there have to be maintained properly and unfortunately they aren't and i think that's an area that keeps me up at night i get excited about what the world could look like if we can actually if tribe can actually come up with a genuine not just for pr purposes but like a genuine a uh, uh, group of products and technologies that can be in installed in these communities and literally lower their carbon footprint and to a point where we can actually start offsetting that with actually carbon dollars coming into their bottom line to actually affect mm -hmm. the operations. You can see how amazing of an opportunity that would be. Mm -hmm. So I'd love to see less talking uh, about about that and more doing uh, both by the government and, and by the private sector to bring products that are cost effective to the market. Well said. Um, listen, a couple questions left here. Um, we always like to ask from, from an investor standpoint, what do you suggest? What are the metrics or maybe catalysts that we should be uh, following closely to really understand that you guys are executing on your business plan? Revenue is easy, right? The, 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 you know, it's easy to do that, but what, what other metrics should we be watching for? I think our retention numbers are are incredibly important because it illustrates that the model is really working. I think our microeconomics, it is revenue, but it is microeconomics are very important. Uh, our ability to continue to generate more per home while we're not raising maintenance fees on these communities is a massive kudos mm -hmm. to the model being really working. And then digital services, it's anemic right now, it's growing, but that digital services number, if we're doing that well, it literally is the blue sky. We can mm -hmm. unlock tremendous revenue streams from there. I would say these are probably the biggest areas in our business to, to keep an eye on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it just, it just um, I imagine the amount of data that you guys can clearly have access to at that sort of potential point of sale for so many different uh, services. It's, it's uh, pretty impressive. Uh, Joseph, last sort of thing is we always like to let you guys have an opportunity to just leave a parting message or a key takeaway. Uh, really, what do you want everybody to understand about the business uh, today? Um, make sure they, they walk away with today. Yeah, I mean, look, there's very few industries that have yet to really be disrupted. Everybody here will have had a headache listening to stories about disruption. I get it. It's a cool thing. It's a wonderful thing. I'm an investor too, and I absolutely am the first to fall in love with it. But really, genuinely, when you look at where digital transformation can really make a massive impact, prop tech is a big buzzy word and very exciting but a lot of that money that got raised and spent went into real estate transactions went into iot and 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 smart building technology which we just discussed and, and unfortunately hasn't hasn't seen the other side of the river yet and then and then you know payments rental and uh, how do you pay this easier or get access to it unfortunately very little has gone into the most important part, which is the operations of these communities. And you're looking at a company, I wouldn't say we're alone, we're still unique and I'm probably more equipped than most, but you're looking at a company that I think can really make an impact there. And from a catalyst point of view, watch us, watch us be active, 
in in bringing these companies on our umbrella and continue to grow watch and i hope that that we can put the canadian flag uh high and i'm proud in being a very very innovative company down uh, uh down south as well as a, as a company that's really changing things and then finally i i gotta tell you we we just a company with a whole bunch of good people and me i don't know if i can put myself there but but a great 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 group of people that wakes up every day literally obsessing about the quality of living of our customers so uh, it's something we're proud of helping to make people live in better environments. I think that's a, it's a noble goal for sure. Um, listen, Joseph, if somebody wants more information, uh, what's the website address or how should they you know, get more information on the company? Tribetech.com is our URL. It's uh, the deck that you that you saw today uh, is, is there. A lot of other press releases is there. Uh, Tribetech.com and obviously our, our uh, Matthias XV, it's T-R-B-E. T-R-B-E is our symbol. Thank you so much. Fantastic, fantastic. So we've been speaking with Joseph Nakla, uh, CEO of Tribe Property Technologies, symbol TRBE on the Venture Exchange. Uh, Joe, great to catch up with you today and uh, continued success. Thank you, Paul. Thanks, Trevor. Thanks, everyone. Have a good one. Stay safe. You bet.